This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Our text for this series has been in Proverbs, the third chapter, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about acknowledging and, and direction. And one of the things that I just felt impressed to, to talk to you about is the fact that all of us need to be convinced that God will lead us. It's important to believe that God will guide you in your life. Now, here's, here's what I find is the challenge. We are used to putting ourselves into categories. When I look at Bill Gates, I put him in a different financial category than I put myself. If you're in his category, I'd love for you to come see me after the service is, is over. I mean, no, he's in a different, he's in a different stratosphere, and uh, he, he occupies a, a, a different level. And so I think we've grown up accustomed to doing that. Athletically, you're like, well, I, I can play high school ball, can't play college ball. And so we're constantly looking. Hey, I, can, I, can, I might be the valedictorian of my high school, but then I went to college, and I found out they had a lot more comp. So we're constantly comparing, constantly doing things. I find Christians do the very same thing. They'll see people who are visible, say someone like myself, or they'll see Joy, or, or maybe your favorite preacher, whoever that is. And you begin to think, well, well God will, will guide them. But the real key to enjoying this Christian life is believing that whatever God has for me, he's got for you. That and I, it's, every time I talk about this, it seems like people just have a real hard time with this. But I really want you to catch this. That I have a different role than you have. But we all have the same benefits package. You know, if you come to work for us right now, we have a benefits package here at the Ark. And uh, the Lord has blessed us, and we have a good benefits package. I feel like that you, don't have, you should not have to, to suffer working on the church staff could have at least heard an amen from the church staff. <laughs> Y'all missed a marvelous opportunity. But we've got, a good, we've got a good benefits package. Do you know that the benefits package is the same whether you come in and clean or, or you're one of our pastors? Same benefits package. And so here, when you come into the kingdom, you may have a different job than I, but you get the same benefits package. It's available because it's available to everybody, and it's Jesus who gave it to us. And so if, if God will guide me, he'll guide you. And the key is believing that. And it's instead of going, well, you know, the, these ministers, they're in a different category. Only in job functions. I've, heard, I've said this before, it always goes over big, but I have, I have to do this, I have to live this life the very same way you do. In other words, I don't have an advantage. It's not like when I get up in the morning, there's not an angel choir outside of my, outside of my room going, he's <laughs> There's no light leading to the coffee machine. Angels don't sit down and converse with me and help me get dressed in the morning. I, I don't have an advantage on living this life. In fact, I'm actually a little bit at a disadvantage 
because when you preach, your own words can come back and smack you in the face or your spouse can remind you of what you just preached. So, you know, the Bible says if you're a teacher, you receive greater condemnation. So, so the, idea, the idea is this, and this is what I want you to catch. God will guide you in your life just as much as he will me or anybody else. And if you believe that, it'll help you. Say, so why, why do you believe that God will guide you? Let me give you two good reasons. One, because the Lord reveals himself as a shepherd. The Lord reveals himself as a shepherd. Psalms 23, verses 1 through 3. Probably know this one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, the Lord is my shepherd is a great psalm. Probably one of the most well-known psalms. But it's not just a psalm to use at a funeral. It's a psalm that we can take. It's not just a beautiful poem. It is, it's, a, it's a revelation of Jesus as our shepherd, that he is a shepherd to us. And twice in that passage it said, and he leads us. So as a shepherd, if you only think about a shepherd, is a shepherd's job is to lead. That's part of his job, is to protect and to lead. And our role is, as sheep is to follow. So God reveals himself as a shepherd, actually through all throughout, in fact, in the Old Testament, he's revealed as what they call Jehovah Raha, which is the Lord our shepherd. And so he reveals himself. This is, this is who he is. And the idea is that we are sheep. Jesus said, he, he referred to himself, John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So Jesus referred to himself as the shepherd. And here's the deal. He, he's not changed. He's still our shepherd. He still is a good shepherd, and he still leads us and guides us. Now, we are still his sheep. Now, I don't know if that's something that appeals to a lot of people. Like, I don't want to be a sheep. Uh, if, you, if you read or on YouTube, you've heard people cla classified as sheep, sheep dogs, and wolves. Ever heard that? Ever heard that? Sheep are... Uh, like the people that don't protect themselves, sheep, dogs, the protectors, and the wolves are the people who are the, who are the bad guys. And it's a nice thought, not scriptural, but it's a thought. But yet the Bible calls us his sheep. Now, I'm not your sheep. Sheep is not a real, especially for guys, it's like, who wants to be a sheep? I don't, you know, when high schools are looking for, for mascots, they're like, how about we can be the sheep? And everyone's like, nah, it's not a good mascot. You, know, you want to be something like a bulldog or a lion. Not, not a sheep. Why? Sheep get eaten. <laughs> Can you imagine? Let's go sheep. Let's go sheep. <laughs> if I knew I was playing the sheep, I'm like, we're going to kill y'all because y'all are, <laughs> are sheep. And yet the Bible says we're his sheep. I, I, let me just read a, a passage to you. If, you. if you take notes, you can jot this down. But in, in Psalms... Here's a, man, here's, a, here's a great passage. Psalms 95. It said, oh, in verse 6, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I mean, no, he made us. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. For his sheep. It says in Psalms 100, 
Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. When it comes to being sheep, we're his sheep. So the Lord says we're his sheep. Best thing for us to do is go, bah. When it comes to you, Lord, I'm your sheep. The thing about sheep is sheep are very dependent on the shepherd. So Jesus hasn't changed. He's still leading us. A good thing for us to acknowledge is we are his sheep. John 10, 27 says, my sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's a good thing to say. I'm a sheep, and I hear his voice, and I follow him. So we follow him. We hear his voice. He's our shepherd. So Jesus reveals himself as he's still the good shepherd. He hasn't changed. He's our shepherd. He, people sometimes will come to me, and they'll go, you know, Alan, I'm moving to another area. Do you know of a good church? Well, a lot of times I don't, I don't know of a church in that area. But I always tell them this. I say, listen, uh, I'm so sorry to see you go, but, but if you're moving, understand this. The Lord is your shepherd, and he can get you into the right church. He can guide you. He, he cares about stuff like that. Here's where, we, here's where we have to begin to get the mindset is that he actually cares about helping us with stuff like that. That... That I think one of the things that we've had a tendency to do is think that the Lord only helps us in some areas, but he doesn't help us in other areas. And so I want to, I want to raise up those areas thinking, hey, the Lord can help me in this. And I'll give you that example, give you a great example of that tonight. So he is, he's still a shepherd. The second thing that, that convinces me that God will lead me, he'll lead you, is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus referred to him as the helper. In John 16, 7, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said he would be an advantage to the disciples. Now, these are guys that walk with Jesus for three years, three and a half. And Jesus said, it's a good thing I'm going. Can you imagine how that sounded to them? It's a good thing I'm going. What? You're going? Yeah. Oh, and it's to your advantage that I'm going because I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, and, he, and he's, going, he's going to help you. And I'm thinking, wow. I'm sure they were going, how's that going to be a better deal? You're leaving and I'm, it's, going to, it's going to help me? But later on we found it, Yeah. Because when Jesus was on the earth, he was at one place at one time. The Holy Spirit is in them all the time and can lead them and help them all the time. It was to their advantage. But here's my, here's a, here's my thing is, if it was an advantage to Peter and James and John and Matthew, how much more is the Holy Spirit an advantage to us who never walked with him? And so it gives us, it, it gives us some help. So the helper didn't just come to those guys. The help came to us. And so having help, so he's, he's a helper, and Jesus said he has a role in our lives. In John 16, 13, he said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit has a role in our lives. He's to, he's to help us. He's to show us things to come. Now, you think, well, He's only, he's only to help us about spiritual things. No, he said he'll show you things to come. Joy's uh, 
Joy had a stepfather who came into her life when she was about seven. He was a good man. He, looked, he was a dead ringer for John Wayne. He's a big, tall guy. He used to get stopped in airports because people thought he was John Wayne. And he was a, a vice cop in Miami. He's a tough guy. He was not, not Miami vice. Get that thought out of your head. <laughs> the John Wayne guy, no white coat. Um, and so he was, he was a tough guy. And George tried to witness to him about the Lord for a long time. And he, he was kind about it, but he's like, no, you pray for me, Joy. You pray for me. Well, we were, we were at a, uh, this was before the ark started. And so we were at another church for Christmas Eve. And it was, a, they were doing the lighting of the candles. And Joy is standing next to her, her stepfather. And she got the candle lit on one side. She turned to light the candle for her stepfather. And the Holy Spirit spoke a scripture to her. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. And it, it, it really, it struck her as, but the candle didn't say anything, but she, she said when I'm back, I, she said, oh, I got this scripture. And she, and she believed that it was the Holy Spirit was showing her things to come. Her stepfather was going to die. But her stepfather wasn't a saint. He didn't know the Lord. About two months later, they sat in our kitchen and told us that he had contracted cancer. And he thought he had six months. And Joy's mom, after he left the room, said, he didn't have six. One day, Joy was sitting. Joy was sick at the time, too. And they were both sick, and they were laying on the couch. And Joy was on the chair, and her dad was on the couch, and she came over, and she sat with him. And she said, Daddy, she, she told him, she said, Dad, you know, I love you, and, and I want you to know that you, you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And uh, you know when someone's got cancer, there's no sense in beating around the bush. Let's just go right here. And he said to her, he said, well, she said, I want you to pray with me. He said, you, he, he said, you pray for me, Joy. She looked at him. Now, my wife can be bold when she wants to. She looked at him. She said, no. She said, you pray. <laughs> he said this. He said, okay, just this once. <laughs> and Joy said, okay. How I many you know one time is all you need? One will do you. And he, he received the Lord right there, prayed, received the Lord. He, he died just, a, I think, just a few weeks later. And the priest, they, Joy's mom brought the priest out to, to do last rites, said, I've never seen a man more peaceful when he went. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. So he didn't live for God. Listen, when you make Jesus Christ your Lord, you get promoted automatically to a saint in God's sight. Not, not, by the, not by the church. The church doesn't make you a saint. God does. And he refers to you that way. Precious in the sight of the Lord. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. He can show you things like that. He can tell you, let you know when someone's going to go home. Let you know. Why? He can, he, what's he doing? He's guiding you. He'll get you ready. He'll get you ready for what's coming. And so some of the, sometimes we just have to be willing to listen. But, and sometimes you hear things that you, maybe you don't want to hear, but he will show you things to come. Now, don't get scared and go, oh, my gosh, the Lord's going to just show me about someone dying. No, he'll show you good stuff, too. He showed me, 
I'm, dri I'm driving over 45, crossing 336, and the Lord dropped Conroe, Texas in my heart December of 1995. And I knew we were going to have a church here in Conroe. Someone said, did you see this, this big church? No. No. I saw a church starting. And a lot of times God won't shoot the whole thing. But I knew we were going to have a church in Conroe. So it's the Holy Spirit's fault that I'm here. <laughs> this is where, because we tried to do things other, other places. But this is where he sent us. So we have his ministry. So we can't be afraid of him or ignore him to receive his help. He guides. He doesn't push. He doesn't force. People think, oh, the Holy Spirit, if you get the Holy Spirit, he's going to make you weird. The Holy Spirit will never make you weird. So I know people, they have the Holy Spirit and they're weird. They were weird before they got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he didn't make you weird. In fact, actually, he's, he is the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, not a flaky mind or a squirrely mind. He's of a sound mind. So you can't be afraid of him. Uh, people, act, people act like he's the crazy uncle of the, of the Godhead. He's not. He is every much as God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So here's the question we have to ask. If he's the helper, we have to ask ourselves, how much help do I need? And that's a good question, isn't it? How much help do I need? Now, don't look around at someone else and go, oh, dear Lord, you need a lot of help. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, I, th I, think, I think a lot of times people say, well, I only need help on the big things. And I understand that. Uh, you, you, you hit something big, you're like, okay, I, I can't handle this. Lord, I need your help here. I, I'm going to subscribe to you that we need his help on smaller things too. And if we'll learn to look to him in the smaller things, that when the big things come, we don't put as much pressure on ourselves to hear. So in other words, you can develop a lifestyle of getting his help, that we need his help in our life. And, and it takes a level of humility to go, Lord, I need your help. You know, the, the Bible said the entrance of his word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. I had to admit one time, say, Lord, without your understanding, I'm simple. I need your help. So I want to talk just a little bit about even in the non-spiritual areas of life, he will lead you. Luke, the 22nd chapter. This is a very interesting passage. It's got some great Things about Lord's leading. Let's look at it. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he, Jesus, sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you've entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, Teacher says to you, where's the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room there make ready. And they went and found it just as he had said, and they prepared the Passover. Now you say, well, what's that got to do with this? It's got some things to do. Listen, Peter and John asked Jesus. Jesus said, go prepare the Passover. They, were, they asked him, where do you want us to do this? Now that sounds like a question that's not really important, like, Go prepare the Passover. In other words, hey, go get us a place. We're going to have a big meal. Go, go work it out. And they said, where, where do you want us to do it? Here's what I'm thinking. They've been walking with him. This is toward the end of his life. They've been walking with him for three years. He must be the kind of person they could have asked questions to without being ignored or rebuked. Have you ever, asked, have you ever had to ask someone for something and you know it was going to be a pain in the tail? 
My father was a little bit old school, grew up in the Depression, didn't have any money, grew up poor. And, and when I needed money, I had, and I, I hated to ask my dad for money. I hated it because he's in heaven now, so I'm not worried about it. He, um, he, um, he would say, I would, I would say, Dad, you know, I need some money. And he would look like, oh. you know, when I was your age. And so I got to the place where I didn't even ask him. The only time I ever asked my dad for money is I would, I would come up with a plan. Dad, can I clean the backyard and clean up the underbrush and, and clear it down? We lived on the lake. I'll clear it down to the lake, and I need 50 bucks. And he's like, okay. But I, I hated asking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, some, some of you ask them, you, you're going to get the look or you're going to get... Why are you asking me? Jesus must have been very approachable when he said, go prepare the Passover. They said, where? Where do you want us to do it? You don't need to rain. Go figure it out. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I don't care. He didn't say that. He told them where to go. This is interesting, right? This is not a, is this spiritual? No. It's dinner. Told them where to go. And he said, then you're going to meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Now, the interesting thing about that is, <laughs> ladies be kind, uh, men didn't carry the water. It was a lady's job. Just say it. Just old ancient culture saying. But that day, ladies didn't carry water. I mean, they carried all the water. Men didn't carry water. So meeting a man, they could have argued all the way there. Jesus told us to go find a man. Men don't carry water. We're going we're to follow a guy carrying water. So here you, because you're thinking if, if guys carried water, there could have been a hundred of them. So there's, you got one guy carrying water, looking around, hoping nobody recognizes him. <laughs> and then you got Peter and John following him. Now, <laughs> it looks back. So that was added by the translator. I, I, yeah. But here's, here, here's the deal. He, he told them where to go, and then he told them what to say. Now, as I was, as I was reading this, I thought, and boy, this, this came up in my heart. This may be one of the biggest areas we can come up in. And I'm thinking even about me. How, many, how much do we ever ask the Lord, what do I say in this situation? What do I say? The Lord told him. He said, say this. The teacher says, where am I going to prepare the Passover? He told them exactly what to say. I'm thinking, you know, if Jesus told them what to say about dinner, can he show us and tell us what to say? about that relationship problem? About a, maybe a, a problem at work? About something in our own life? And as soon as I thought, saw that, I thought, you know, now this is, listen, this is an area where as soon as I saw that, this applies to Alan. Maybe it doesn't apply to you. Maybe you ask the Lord all the time, Lord, what do I say in this situation? If you do, you're wise. I've always tended to be quick-tongued. 
I'm not good with my hands. I was always good with my mouth. And so I usually was not left wondering about what to say. And if it was an insult, I'm right there. I could insult with the best. And how many of you know that's not so good? But you learn to be quick-tongued. But what, what if we ask the Lord, what do I say? Now, a key area where guidance is needed, because our words can be used for good. Let me just give you some scripture here. Proverbs 15, 23. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. You know, if you can speak words that are good, it can make a difference. The right words can keep us out of a lot of trouble. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. <laughs> how much emotional pain is caused by us using wrong words? I'm not looking at anybody. I don't counsel here. I can, I can look at me. I can tell you right now that my children, I got three of them, they're all grown, all married, all have kids. And all of them can remember some of the unkind things I said to them growing up. Now, is that something I'm proud of? No. I'm just saying this. Our words are powerful. And I've, I've apologized for those words. But, I, oh, I wish I hadn't said them. You ever wish you hadn't said something? Yeah, that's, that's us. He said, if you can guard your mouth, you'll keep your soul from trouble. What we say to other people and what we say about ourselves. What do we say about ourselves, guys? Wouldn't it be good to ask the Lord, what do I say about myself? See, a lot of times we say things about ourselves like, oh, I am so stupid. I can't believe I did this. I'm as spiritual as a frog. I am just, huh? dear Lord, I'm just, I'm a mess. Never said that? Don't, nope, no hands. And everyone said, it, it's never going to work out for me. It never does work out for me. Did you ask the Lord about that? What do I say? Does it make sense? If he told them what to say about dinner, can he tell us what to say about our families, about our marriages, about our children, about our grandchildren, about our jobs, about what we do for him? <laughs> it is so quiet in here. <laughs> but, but listen, li listen, listen. All of, all of us are here. I think this is an area. And as soon as I read it, it came up in my heart. Listen, if you receive it, not as a rebuke, but as a revelation, if we'll ask the Lord, he can help us on what to say about different circumstances and situations. I was talking with, I was talking with an individual the other day, and they were, they were telling me about a child that, that needed to, to um, their speech wasn't clear. And as soon as, as, soon as they said that, I'm, we're just sitting there talking on the phone, and it, and it rose up in me. I said, you know what? I said, the Bible said that when Jesus laid hands on this one guy, the string of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plain. I said to this individual, I said, you need to speak that over your child. See, the Lord will give you something to speak over your child, over your family, over your body. There's power there. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'll leave one more scripture. 
in Proverbs 20, 12, 18. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, guys. This is tough. I got it. I got it. Because everyone's thinking, wow, I have had a sword mouth for a long time. But how many of you know your words can pierce or your words can bring health? And listen, hey, maybe you have. And listen, I was, I was one of the worst. I had a temper and a tongue. So fiery temper and a tongue that fires off. I said unkind things. I said them to my wife. I said them to my kids. They say, well, when did you stop? The Lord has helped me. And, and, and as I've grown with him, my tongue has come under control. I don't cuss anymore. I used to cuss like, like unbelievable. I prided myself on the combinations I could put together. <laughs> and I don't cuss anymore. Got control of that. You know what? I knew that when I got saved. Okay, I need to stop cussing. Go to church, stop cussing. I mean, even though at least that's theoretically, that's a good idea. Go to church, stop cussing, become a Christian, stop cussing. Listen, there's some words we are using that are worse than cuss words. They are words that pierce and, and, and hurt. But if we can stop cussing, and we can, you can. By faith, just say it, I can, I can, I can. If we can stop that, then we can learn to speak words that heal. And a great way to start is, Lauren, what do I say? How many of you know how many arguments would have stopped if you had just not said what came to your mind? And you thought, I'm just going to say it. Ever done that? I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to pull the pin on this hand grenade and roll it right into the middle of the floor, and it's going to blow up everybody, but I'm going to say it. Anybody ever had a little fragment from that hurricane, from that, from that grenade you've tossed into the middle of the floor? A lot of us are still carrying shrapnel around in us from what we've said. But if our words can hurt, our words can heal. And if we just ask the Lord, Lord, what do I say about this? A lot of times what you'll find is he'll, he'll give you a scripture, point you in that direction. Has this helped anybody? I, I honestly, I'm glad it did, but I, this is for me. Because I realized how often I'll ask the Lord for help in other areas, but I don't ask him for help in this area. What do I say? And it, our words have impact. You know I love you, don't you? Good. I believe these kind of things can help us. You're watching online, you're still here? <laughs> we are so glad. Come back next week. It might be better. No promises. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your goodness to us. Thank you that you give us words that bring life and health and healing. Words that can minister to our families, to our co-workers, to the people around us. Thank you, Father. Make us a blessing with our words. People actually enjoy watching us come. We bring words that lift and help. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And we ask you for help in this area. Teach us what to say about our marriages. Teach us what to say about those people that we're in disagreement with. 
Teach us what to say about those relationships that are real thorny right now. Teach us what to say. And we trust that your words are good. Your words are right. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you came this evening or you're watching online and you say, you know, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I, I've never asked him to be the savior of my life, but I want to do that. Or maybe you're listening or, or you're here and you say, hey, you know, at one time I had a relationship with God and I walked away from him. Or we're going to say a, a prayer. It's a powerful prayer. And you can, right here, I'm going to ask you to say it. I'm not going to have you stand up or come down here. If you're watching online, you can just pray this with us. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask this. If that's you that I'm talking to and you say, I, I really want a relationship with the Lord or I want to come back to him, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up just across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, got you. Yeah. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you for your courage. You can put your hands down. Online, if you're by yourself, I want you to pray this out loud. If you are with others, you can pray it quietly. We're going to pray this at church family here. You lifted your hand, or maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You can still pray this prayer. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer here and online. I thank you, Father, that's a prayer that you always hear and you always answer. Thank you for those that made you the Lord. Thank you. Thank you that those who've come back, we rejoice with all of them. Give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.